Camel boots on my feet, bow in my hand. Walking in the early dawn to climb up in my stand. Hunting off the farm, wishing on some love. I've been on a big boat. American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. I'm the Red Bull Mike Crace. Wayne Locke joins me in the studio. Alex Rutledge is out running around San Antonio, Texas with the San Antonio Rose. <laughs> How you doing, Alex? I'm doing good, Redbone. Wayne, thanks for being in the studio. Thank you for everything that you gentlemen do for the American Roots Radio Show and Podcast. And I was sitting here thinking, I just woke up. Here it is, 2.15 p.m. I worked all night at the Martin Marietta Concrete Plant, and I was sitting here thinking, Man, what would I give to be sitting in that studio with Wayne and Redbone? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, Man, we what been, wouldn't we give to get you here, Terry? That'd be a good thing. Yes. Hopefully I'll be home uh, headed towards Birch Tree area this Saturday morning or Sunday morning. You know, Christmas is just around the corner, everybody. Mm-hmm. And this show, we've got a great show lined up for everybody. We've got another mystery guest. And your hint is... This guy's a versatile hunter, he's a Hall of Famer, and he's from the South. So that's our secret mystery guess, the tips that you're going to get. I, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure that uh, narrowed it down at all for anybody. <laughs> no, all the every really good hunters are from the South. <laughs> wow! Now hold on a minute, we've got Greg Miller. We've got Greg Miller and Stan Oh, that's Clark. right. They're not from the South. Well, yeah, but they talk like us. Yeah, well... They do, don't they? <laughs> yeah, they have the same. Yeah, yeah. They hang so out. We got a lot of cool things going on. And uh, Wayne, bring us up to speed. What's going on with ARO? All the projects we got coming. Not everything, but some of them. Well, we got the uh, ATA coming up in uh, January. That I'll be down there uh, working and talking to some people. Uh, we have some new products that are going to be coming out. Uh, we have a uh, some new calls that have been uh, redesigned. Hmm. Um, we got some, uh, we've actually been talking about some new patterns on some shirts, uh, but I'm not going to let any cats out of the bag on that one. Okay. Uh, podcast is growing and growing and growing. Uh, we actually reached uh, 100 on the iTunes chart, uh, for the podcast. So, uh, that was a, a big uh, feather in the cap to us and to all of our guests who've uh, helped us uh, get that achievement. Yeah. And Wayne, if you will tell people, uh, because we really haven't talked a lot about the podcast uh, but tell people how they can go listen to the co- the podcast and well, what they need to do. Well, all you got to do is uh, you can catch it on the Apple Podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn, and Alexa. Um, if you have any access to any of those platforms, uh, you can do it through your computer. You can do it through your phone. doesn't have to be an iPhone. If you have an Android, you can go to those other platforms, download it. You just look up American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge. Click on subscribe, and then every time we release a podcast, you will get a, a notification that there's a new uh, episode for you to listen to. And on the uh, the podcast, you get an extra bonus segment that the uh, listeners here on the radio don't get. You have to get, uh, be a subscriber to the podcast to be able to listen to that extra uh, 10 to 15-minute bonus section, which uh, you know we cover a lot of topics from different strategies to uh, history of uh, our guests in that, that uh, – you, know, you won't hear anywhere. You won't else. hear anywhere else. That's won't right. Won't hear anywhere else. I, I think that's fantastic, and and still getting a lot of comments on having uh, Waddy on a couple of weeks ago. Yes, 
Yeah, Waddell was fun. Yeah, Michael, every guest we've had is, mm-hmm. is very unique, and every one of them has been excellent speakers, and, and they bring something to the table because they're at the top of their game in the industry. And that's what's uh, making this show so successful, as Greg Miller told us in a private call, that, hey, guys, you guys are on to something here. A lot of people have not realized what we did. Uh, and a lot of people really want to know what we did before we ever got involved in the industry and, and uh, they're learning their American roots. So I think we got something that's going to take off pretty big, gentlemen. Yeah, well, and, and, and like Waddell and even the Drury Brothers said when they were on Alex, and that is, you know, they do a lot of interviews, but it's always about the hunting and the fishing and the products. And, and we kind of get down deep and personal with these people, and uh, they really seem to enjoy getting that opportunity to share their story more than just... Well, here I was in Utah, you know, looking to kill a big mule deer, or here I was there. We, we kind of get personal, and they get to tell a little bit of their story that people haven't heard otherwise. Exactly. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to Wayne here a second, but I just want to set this up for Wayne to, to go into this topic. Uh, we've been working on this podcast idea for many years, uh, Redbone and listeners, and mm-hmm. uh, Wayne, and Wayne is... Uh, he stepped up and he's running the American Roots company and I'm telling you I'm very pleased with the the work ethic and the focus this man has but Wayne uh, the podcast and I will keep in the focus on that and our direction we kind of had it again repeating in, in the back drawer back pocket so to say and nobody else is telling the history the roots maybe once in a while, but every show is going to be the topic of the roots. And let's talk about that, Wayne. Yeah, one of the things that uh, when Alex and I uh, discussed it, that we felt an untouched uh, segment that people are not hearing is what made these um, our guests who they are? Where did they come from? How did they get there? What inspired them? You know, it could be anything from, you know, uh, shooting your first gobbler at the age of five, or maybe it was just holding granddad's uh, gun uh, sitting in front of the fireplace at Christmas time. And they said, you know, they talked to their granddad, said, well, you know, what is this for? How is this used? And uh, like with the Drury Brothers, when we had them on, you know, look at the, the age that they're at now and the connection they had with taking their mother out on that deer hunt. Yeah. You know, it spoke from the heart. And that's the kind of stuff that... Uh, I think on some of the outdoor shows, you just don't get any more. Like you, uh, Redbone, you had just said, it's strictly nowadays, it's, you know, I was here, I shot this, you know, look at what I got, yada, yada. Yeah, we, you know, we, saw, him on, we saw him on video. Right. Yeah. We're, we're, trying to get, we're trying to get that, uh, that, feel, right, that feeling into Perfect. our show. And, you know, the, the heart, you know, what tugs at their heart, what brought them into it. And what's kept them here for this long? And what was the big break that got them there? Because right. because what we've learned over the last six weeks, Alex, is everybody's big break was something a little bit different. And it happened for these exactly. guys. And and each of them is a very unique story. Cause, and, and I guess the point I wanted to make there is there is no formula. And, you know, there are a lot of young people out there that want to be professional hunters on TV or they want to be a professional fisherman and be on TV. And they want to know, and I know, Alex, you get asked about it a lot. You know, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? Well, you just got to hunt and fish, and then eventually, if you're good at it, maybe you'll get a break. And that's what we found from all these guys we've talked to. Yeah, every every guest we had are just like a, a normal person. The, yeah. the, it's just that the, the dream was to 
maybe get in the industry and they've been very successful and very good at what they do, then they made the right connections and all of a sudden their career catapulted. So that's kind of like my career. I mean, I was rocking and rolling uh, through Hunter Specialties days and Bloodline days. And mm-hmm. uh, good Lord just woke me up one morning and said, hey, Alex, you need to look at your calendar. You, you, uh, you spent a lot of days away from your family, especially your daughter. So that's why we... I, give up my job at Hunter Specialties and started Bloodline in that team effort. So uh, I slowed down a little bit. I'm slowing down to keep my focus on the family, but here we are now doing more work at home when I'm home, and I'm out on the road now trying to make ends meet by doing uh, safety work. And uh, everybody's got a unique line. Everybody's got a unique direction. Again, those are the things that make this show so cool, and I'm great to have – Mike, you the director of the radio show, and Wayne being the brand manager. What a great team, and what's, what a great time it is to work with you two guys. Yeah, well, we're up on a break, and I can uh, say one thing from all the guests that we have had is nobody came out of the womb with a TV show handed to them. That's exactly right. <laughs> and some of the breaks were just simply by random accident. Folks, we need to go to break. We're back with uh, more of America Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and friends. I'm the Rebel Mike Crace. Wayne Locke is in the studio. Alex is with us via the telephone. And Alex, a special guest, has joined us for today. Our mystery guest, everybody, is one of my best friends. This guy is known for all of his hunting, but this southern draw guy, southern gentleman of the outdoor industry is the turkey man, Eddie Salter. Welcome to the show, Eddie. What you doing today? <laughs> hey, hey, man! I'm actually gonna go deer hunting later on this afternoon, and uh, uh, you know, but I got turkeys on my mind. But, but you know, hey, all deer getting ready to start rutting. So, man, uh, let's talk about deer today. That that's awesome, Eddie. You know, you're in Southern Alabama, so all the listeners uh, can tune in and know it's your Southern Alabama boy, Evergreen, Bruton area. What we want to do this first part of this show, and then Wayne's going to kick it off here, we want to talk about Eddie Salter's American Roots, where Eddie Salter was born, uh, how Eddie Salter was raised. You know, everybody, all the listeners, I've had the fortunate blessings to be able to go to his mama's house. His mama is a true, true legend and a great example of Christ and how she's taken in foster kids. And uh, Wayne, you take it off. Well, that is something that uh, me and your mom do have in common. Uh, my wife and I also uh, take in foster kids. And uh, to start off, Eddie, let's let's get started. What what got you involved in the outdoors? At what age did you get started? And and who inspired you? Well, I mean, I I grew up in the country here, and uh, you know, just uh, it was around me, man. I could walk out and be in the hunting woods right there in my backyard, and so. You know, seeing squirrels and, uh, you know, back, we didn't have no turkeys when I, you know, was old enough to, you know, really started getting into hunting. I mean, excuse me, we didn't have any deer. We had turkeys and squirrel and quail and dove. And, uh, but man, I was just introduced to it, you know, through my fa- father there. And, uh, you know, one of the things, uh, 
we enjoyed being, having the opportunity to eat the game that we had. Uh, you know, I didn't, I, I, I didn't grow up just uh, having everything I wanted, but we never did go hungry. But we ended up uh, eating a lot of stuff that uh, we shot. Right, Eddie. I know, and I've heard you talk about this before many times. And uh, you are known as, uh, uh, you know, a turkey hunter and a turkey caller, multi world championships, and all that stuff. Tell us the story about how you learned to call turkeys. Well, I mean, basically, uh, it was a just a trial and error. But uh, you know, my mother, she, uh, her father was a just a real good turkey hunter. My grandfather and. Uh, but he lived about 100 miles away from me, and I didn't really get a chance. Actually, I never did get a chance to turkey hunting, you know, with him. And, you know, uh, he died when I was in my teens. And, uh, you know, back then, 100 miles, uh, you know, hey, I'm 66 years old. And, you know, back then, we, you know, folks just didn't travel a whole lot, and I didn't get a chance to hunt with him. And But uh, she, uh, she knew that the thing that helped him the most was uh, having tame turkeys and had well, he was lucky enough. Uh, I think somebody had bush hogged or run over a nest, and and they didn't bust all the eggs, and they hatched them. And he learned from turkeys herself. So, you know, and I was asking all these questions because I could walk out my door early in the morning. You hear it old barred out, oh, 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 in the spring of the year. By February, those turkeys start gobbling, and man, and then I could get a chance to see one every now and then out there, and man. I was excited about that, and uh, so basically, she got me some turkeys, and I learned from turkeys, and uh, that's how I got started calling with turkeys herself. That is wonderful, Eddie. Now, what I want to do is back up a little more here of the topic here is the Eddie Salter's American Roots, and, and great to ask that question, both of you, Wayne and Mike. But let's talk about your grandfather, then your mom, then your dad, real quick here. Uh, talk about what your grandfather did and the roots that he's passed on to you in turkey hunting. Well, you know, Alex, he, uh, he taught me how to, you know, build my own turkey calls at, you know, a young age. And I'm talking about eight, nine, and ten years old. I was building mouth calls, and uh, he, he was one of the first one that engineered mouth calls from the deep south down here. Believe it or not, him and a couple of other guys got together in the 20s invented uh, the mouth call. A lot of people don't realize that, but mm-hmm. it actually come from my grandpa. And it, wow. But it all started from a guy that uh, made bird calls that, uh, out of Mardi Gras that was in Mobile. He was selling little bird calls. You know, they <laughs> were having them Mardi Gras you know, uh, parades and everything that you see in uh, New Orleans and mm-hmm. Baton Rouge and all that. But it, it's uh, Mardi Gras started right there in Mobile, too. But that old man was selling like little little bird whistles that was made, you know, from a piece of lead with, you know, with latex or, you know, different types of, uh, of, 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 of you know, hey, I actually even built mouth calls out of balloons before. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, you know, a pro. Uh, so, anyhow, it, it, that's what got me triggered off. I, I learned to build calls. And one thing about it, you know, we're talking about building our own calls, but, you know, back when I was 10 years old, you could not buy a mouth call here in Alabama. You know, and turkey hunting, actually, is, uh, you know, you're getting on up there too, Alex, but that turkey hunting actually exploded under our eyes. I mean, it really started in the 60s right there, in the late 60s and 70s. And, uh, you know, I remember back saving my money up as a barber. You know, I, you know, 
become a barber, started making and selling turkey calls in my barber shop. And uh, I, I remember saving, you know, when I sold a mouth call, I think I'd sell it two or three dollars, and I'd put it in a cigar box over there. And I said, one of these days, I'm gonna get a chance to go to Missouri or go to some of these other states that just, uh, you know, just just started having turkey hunting. Now, when was Missouri's first spring turkey hunt? It was in the late 70s and early 70s. I mean, late 60s and early 70s, wasn't it? No, it was in 1959. I believe 1959 is the first season we had in Shannon County. One of the first restoration turkey programs that was uh, where they restocked turkeys was on the Peck Ranch. Uh, Mike, you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Oh, yeah, I, I knew it was right there around 1960 in those years. And, yeah, Peck Ranch, they introduced the turkeys. And then, of course, they started um, taking those turkeys and transplanting them into other parts of the states. And eventually, and I know we just got about 45 seconds here in this segment, but eventually Missouri became one of the hottest places to turkey hunt. And uh, uh, that was in the, uh, the early 1980s. And, Alex, I, I remember that because one time I did an interview with a guy by the name of uh, uh, Roscoe Bumgarner. Everybody remember mm-hmm. Roscoe Bumgarner, and he said, he said, I, I do articles in, on, in newspapers and on TV and stuff. He said, I never say this publicly, but there's not a better place to turkey hunt than Missouri. And he said, I don't say that publicly because I want to keep it that way. And uh, uh, I know we'll forget Bumgarner saying that, and uh, that was in 1981. Yeah, his name actually was Leroy Bongard. You yeah, him? yeah, that's right. Yeah, I do. I remember him at these turkey calling contests. Exactly, uh, I met yeah. him up at uh, Hannibal one year. Yeah, I'd forgotten his name. Well, you're a long time ago. to American Roots Outdoors. We're going to go to a break, and we've got Eddie Salter, the turkey man, on here. We'll be right back with more right after this. Mike, where did you get the American Roots Outdoors hat and shirt? Those are cool. Well, I got them online, believe it or not, and you can too. Anybody could if they're online. Absolutely. It's not a big deal. www.americanrootsoutdoors.com Outdoors with Alex Rutledge. Alex is in Texas. I have Redbone in the studio with me, and on the phone we have the turkey man himself, Eddie Salter. Yeah, hey, we- man, I'm just glad to be here, being able to talk about, you know, uh, having the opportunity to grow up and, and, and ended up loving to do something as much as I, I do and being able to make a living in it. Uh, you know, we don't get rich, do we, Alex? But, man, it's fun with all the friends that we make. You're right, Eddie. And, and you know, you're one of my best friends in the outdoor industry. And, and, you know, we're very honored to have you on the show as well as our other guests. And we try to keep the focus of most of our guests right now since we just launched our podcast and radio show uh, to very high profile and people really close to my circle and you're right, we're not making a lot of money in the industry, and, and some of us have got to do other things like I'm doing now. But, uh, Eddie, what I want to do here is talk about Eddie Salter grew up as a country boy, walk out his back door to, to hunt squirrels, rabbits, whale, dove, whatever, deer, and he learned to turkey hunt and turkey call by having tamed turkey, and that was passed down from your grandfather. Now, what kind of work did your grandfather do 
And I know, Eddie Salter, you've done everything from butchering your own hogs, chickens, and uh, your job led into being a barber. But also, people did not know that Eddie Salter was a logger. And we can touch on that a little bit, too, Eddie, if you don't care. Oh, yeah. Well, my, that's what my father did. He ended up, he, he could do anything in the world. He was a lot like your father. And, uh, you know, whatever the hand it took, he could do it. And uh, But, uh, he, you know, he, he it, the logging was, is a tough life. And I know a bunch of your brothers and, you know, your family. And, and that's what, what it was all about. You, you had to do what you could do to survive. And, uh and uh, and it's nothing to be ashamed of, but uh, but my grandfather actually, believe it or not, years ago he you know in, in Baldwin County down there he had a he got a you know we have a pine tree down here we got several different species, but uh, in that part of the country it was a longleaf pine and needles on it, it, it was, you know you, you can't hardly tell them apart, but the needles some of them are a lot longer, some of them are shorter, but them real longleaf pines are real hardy. And uh, uh, they they got a lot of sap in them. So what they used to do was go along there and and, and take a, a, a machete or an axe and cut a, a a gash in that tree, and they would hook up a bucket on that tree, and wow. the sap would drip down in that bucket, and they would sell that, and they would make turpentine out of it, uh, and they would make gunpowder, uh, chewing gum, all kind of stuff come out of that uh, that long leaf pine sap, and and that's what he done. He'd go along them long roots. You know, he had buckets on trees, and they would collect that and, and save it and get 55 gallons of it. And then they would it had end up, I think, in Valdosta, Georgia, where right now I think it's the only big, you know, plant that still does that. And right now what they do is they take uh, the stumps that they go along there where they, uh, the long tree, long leaf pine is it, called fatwood. I know if you've seen some of it down here, you can buck it up. And just touch a match to it, and that stuff will just about explode and burn. Wow. And uh, because it's loaded up with sap. But I mean, a lot of different things come out of it soap and different things. So he w- he done that for years and years and years. Was And I, I never have told you that story, Alice. I don't remember ever telling you that. And uh, he also, what they would do, these timber companies later on would come along there and they would cut these pine trees down and they would what they would call, they call it jump butt. They'd cut like seven, make foot of that tree off and then the rest of it make logs. But where they had that bucket on there, it was all, it was all turned to what they call fat wood. And, mm-hmm. uh, so, and that fat wood actually nowadays are, is busted up in a little kindling and LL beam. I, I remember I hooked up with a guy by the name of Ken Tucker and he was selling busted fat wood to LL beam and in, in little bundles. And, uh, <laughs> and, you know, people were starting fires with them, but they were great to set on fireplaces. And uh, he was selling LLB, list a million dollars a year worth of fat wood that come out wow. of that country. <laughs> wow. It was unbelievable. So, you know, I mean, you get to going back, and it's a lot of history that comes out of the South. And uh, I, y'all, don't, y'all never did have that many uh, pine trees up in that part of the country up there. And you didn't have that longleaf pine up there, but you know what I'm talking about, them old pine knots. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Eddie. And, and what great information here. This is the kind of information that the listeners love to hear. Even though our show is about the outdoors, we cover different topics. And sharing your history and your family roots, American roots, this is very intriguing, Wayne. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. 
Um, you know, Eddie, one of the things you you talked about earlier is as a child, you, that's where you were learning to build mouth calls and, and use mouth calls. At what point did, were you able to uh, do like what you just did earlier and, and use strictly your mouth and, and not with a call? Well, you know, the thing is, I I actually started using my mouth way back when I was a boy. and uh, But, you know, I realized the older I got, uh, my voice was changing and... Uh, that was my biggest problem. You know, when I was six, seven, eight years old, boy, I could really, and I had to relearn how to do that. But, man, I could call good with my natural voice, but my voice changed, and uh, and then I went into mouth calling, and then I just had to really work on it to get it back and being able to gobble and all that. But And then, you know, we started selling turkey calls, and then I went into the turkey call business in 1985, started selling turkey calls throughout the United States. And, and then I realized that I didn't need to be selling that natural voice because I couldn't sell it to nobody. So <laughs> I, I quit doing a lot of the natural voice stuff and started doing it with turkey calls. I think Alex can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, I think so. He can. Oh, yeah. I know he can. Yeah, you know, Eddie and I become friends, everybody, uh, through my cousin, Willard Rutledge, who was a lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Army. And uh, Willard managed a huge ranch in Texas County, and it was called Connor Ranch. And I won't ever forget the time Willard uh, told me, he goes, Alex, do you know this Eddie Salter from down in Alabama? And I said, yeah, I know of him. I've never met him before in my life, and I'd like to meet him. And he said that Eddie Salter had come up and filmed the TV show with him on the Connor Ranch. And he said, it'll be airing on TV. And I think back in that time, it was the Ken Tucker show. Eddie it was. Came up there. It was. It was Ken Tucker Sportsman Showcase. I come up there with him. And I'll never forget, you know, he went, he let me go out that afternoon, and we were riding around. And, uh, man, you know, I got to notice some ticks on me. You know, we were riding around the afternoon. And, and man, I got back, and I stripped down, and ticks was all over me. <laughs> and my cameraman, and I think we picked 35 ticks off of me that afternoon. <laughs> You know, we we ain't got them. We didn't have them in the South like that down here in Alabama. And I asked old Willard, I said, Willard, uh, man, I said, what in the world y'all do with these ticks up here? How do you handle that? He said, man, we treat them like strawberries. We pick them once a day. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'll never forget that, I, you know. And, uh, man, I tell you, it's, uh, he was, is Willard still living? No, Willard passed a few years ago, Eddie, and, and I must tell you, uh, Willard sure thought the world of you. He would talk about you to a lot of people. He uh, passed away with cancer, and uh, I actually worked with a guy in Texas right here. It's one of the leads and foreman down here. His name is Sam Appleton. Sam used to apprentice under Willard as a very young man in high school. He would go out and work on that kind of ranch with Willard. He was telling me stories about Willard that reference back to my dad, the, uh, the Rutledge Roots, they had a lot of things in common. And one of the things that Sam Appleton would talk about while I'm here in Texas working with him would say, Willard was so tight that he would pick up a nut or a bolt on the ground and put it in his pocket, and he would see uh, crooked nails that he took out of the board, and he would spend minutes to an hour straightening nails up and go back and use those same <laughs> nails. And I said, my dad was the same way. That's American roots. Those people 
knew that they had to do what they had to do to survive. So reusing those mills, yeah, it was time-consuming, but their focus was saving that money. And I thought I'd share that because that's really cool. Yes, sir, buddy. That's a, Yes, sir. I mean, that's, that's what it was all about. If, you know, if you didn't do it back then, uh, you couldn't make it. I mean, it was, times were tough back then. And I remember you talking about milking cows and stuff back when you was a young boy. Yes, sir, Eddie, and hearing turkeys gobble that you roosted the night before, then your brother didn't have to milk, and he'd go kill it before you got done milking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good that place. Good, but, yeah, that's a good but place for us to. You had turkey to eat that night, didn't you? <laughs> I sure did, man. Well, I wouldn't change my life in the Ozarks for nothing, but, uh, you know, Eddie, uh, the, the, the characteristics and you sharing your lifestyle of you being a logger, you know what it is to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, not only to hunt, but to get into that log truck of your pickup with your chainsaws and head out there and uh, fall trees and, and risk your life. We have a lot of loggers that listen to our show. Have you got something you want to say to them? Well, you know, just, uh, you know, they. I, I think you just need, my, my daddy taught me, to, you know, hey, just keep your mind on what you're doing. Pay attention on what you're doing, and when you get off, then you can think about other things. But you get out here and start thinking about other things, you'll get killed. And, uh, you know, especially around machinery. Of course, it's changed so much now than what it was when I was a boy. But like you said, I used to go out there with that chainsaw with him. And, uh, you know, and and a lot of that stuff, you know, we worked with our hands. We didn't have a lot of equipment, you know. uh, I remember, you know, and and this had to be in, in the early I mean, right there in the early 60s or the late 50s. I was born in 53. But I remember uh, him bringing the first power saw home. And, and they cranked that thing up out there. And it scared me so bad. I, I couldn't <laughs> All right, guys, we're out of time on this segment, Alice. We need to go to a break. And I think that's a good place to take it right there. Uh, folks, we'll be back. We'll, we'll be back with more American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and his friends in just a moment. Welcome back to American Roots Outdoor. And if you're just joining us, the ending segment was Eddie Salter talking about the first time his dad ever brought a chainsaw home to their house. And his dad firing it up. It scared Eddie so bad, he ran in the house. And he crawled underneath his bed because he was scared <laughs> to death, literally crying. Now, let me tell you, that is country. We've got about seven and a half minutes left here, Eddie. But talk about that real quick. And we want to talk about some whitetail strategies real quick. I will, and it, it really was, you know, it was something else. They had to come drag me out of there because I thought it was the biggest monster that I'd ever heard in my life. And uh, and it, it really was a monster, you know, because them guys had been using, uh, you know, jitterbug saws and, you know, hand saws to cut that timber with. Boy, I tell you what, you know, it really changed the industry when they started using them power saws. And But, you know, Alex, uh, you know, the, the good Lord has really been good to me. Give me an opportunity to meet a lot of friends, and, and uh, you know, back when I was in a barbershop, you know, when uh, I think one of the things that helped me more than anything else was putting out, you know, that straight razor on my customer's ear and asked him, could I go, you know, turkey hunting on his property? And I thought that was probably, <laughs> you know, that was one of the, the best things that I ever thought about. And I think, you know, a good Lord gives you the opportunities and you need to take you know, advantage of them. And, and I said, well, you know, if I do this, I will never get turned down and, 
and I and that's something that I certainly never did get turned down. And so I've been blessed on having a lot of places to hunt. And that's the key. I don't care if you turkey hunting, deer hunting, or fishing, or whatever. If you you got to have you got to have animals to hunt, and you got to have fish to catch. And you can have all the good equipment in the world, and if you ain't got the animals, it ain't gonna do you no good. But you know, but I've been blessed. Uh, you know, to be able, one of the reasons that, you know, people ask me, well, you know, how did you get into, you know, deer hunting and all that? Well, you know, I told them, you know, hey, I, it was five or six years before I realized you were supposed to hunt them in the daylight here. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I still, yeah, I, you know, I was just joking about that, guys. Uh, you know, but the thing that I would, would tell folks right now to be successful, you know, in the deer woods, you need to hunt and find yourself a lot of food. That's I think that's going to be the thing. If you hunt around uh, food plots and, and, and wherever the deer is feeding that and leave your nose alone, then you're going to be able to kill your buck. Yeah, food source is the key in this late season hunting. And, Eddie, I know you run trail cameras, and uh, I learned some of the most important stuff i ever seen about hunting whitetails in the timber. And I'll, I'll never forget you and my brother Jack taught me how to read the woods by reading the crown of the trees. And, and I'll never forget you and I doing an outdoor media camp with uh, some outdoor riders in Alabama one time, and it was in September, no, it was October. And he said, Alex, what we want to look for is the bigger trees. Look at the top of the tree, you'll see the big crowns. He said, we're going to walk straight to those crowns, and those trees, if they're dropping acres, we're going to find the sign. And what we'll do is set trail cameras up on these trees, these big wood lots, and we'll find our bucks, and, and that you and my brother Jack taught me that. And uh, we want to share that tip with our listeners because if you're hunting woods and there's a massive acorn crop, you find the tree with the big crowns. Elaborate on that, Eddie. Oh yeah, well you you, you know I, I I think you can't do enough scouting, and the more you're in the woods, and the more you go uh, from you know and checking these trees out, especially in the early part of the season. I, I know late season the. Uh, you know, all the acres are gone. But sometimes you have a, you know, have a tree that uh, I found one yesterday was still dropping. You know, down in this part of the country, and sometimes you find one of them just dropping. You know, guys, that's that's an area you really need to camp out at. And uh, you know, I, I really I feel like uh, you know, especially bow hunting now. You know, I like to bow hunt more oh, than yeah. anything. It, it, you know, covering ground, but being real clean and being scent free, wearing rubber boots. And wearing gloves, guys. Make sure you put them gloves on and try to slip around. You get on these old roads or these fire lanes that's been flying around. And, you know, hey, look at the deer tracks. I mean, look for them. And you see, if they cross in the road, well, turn around and follow them. See where they're going to. And then if you happen to see a deer feeding out in the woods, go to where that deer's feeding at. See what that deer's feeding on and check it out. And, uh, you know, a lot of times you get up, you know, we use climbers a lot. I have got up in trees that I knew deer were coming to them, but they didn't get there the hour sometimes after dark. But then I'd figure out, well, they're coming from the south. And I'd go the next day and look down south and keep moving. Sometimes you set up in a tree an hour after dark and let them come on in there and feed and move on. But you keep moving with them, and then sooner or later you'll catch up with them in the daylight hour. You right? Know- well, that, that's actually a great tip because that's one of the things. It's almost like you're scouting from afar, but you're scouting from atop. Just looking to that's see it. and putting and, a puzzle together. You know, okay, well, he didn't get to me till this time. I need him an hour earlier. Where did he come from? What was over there that kept him over there and just kept moving? That's a great tip. Yeah, I remember Eddie yes, hearing you. And, uh, 
I remember hearing you one say one time. Else, let, let, let me let me say this. Be quiet when you're coming down out of a tree. One of the problems that most hunters do, they forget about it because it's dark, and they sound like an elephant coming out of the tree. And if you ever scare that big buck, he may not ever come back. Good point. That's a great point, Eddie, and I want to say we only got about a minute and a half left here. Uh, if, you, if the acorns are gone, guys, we want to encourage you to, to hold the deer on your property. In some states, you're allowed to feed, which we're not allowed to feed in Missouri. Uh, but if you can plant food plots like Eagle Seed Food Plots, the smorgasbord that I helped design with Eagle Seed is a great all-season food plot. And what happens is if you have a major, uh, major acorn crop, they, they spend most of their time in the woods, but when those acorns are gone, as Eddie said, they're going to start piling these food plots late season. So if you have food plots, the ball's in your court for a late season hunt. And what a great show we've had with Eddie Salter, Wayne, uh, Redbone. And, you know, if you want to become a member and you want to listen to a bonus segment coming up after this, I'm going to let Wayne talk about that. And we want to thank you for being on the show, Eddie. And, Wayne, talk about the bonus segment and close out the show. Yeah, for everyone that's listening to hear more of what Eddie's got to say and some more tactics on that, you're going to have to tune into our podcast and subscribe on either Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or Alexa. Eddie, we want to thank you for joining us today and with Redbone and Alex down there in Texas. And to all our uh, listeners out there, thank you and have yourself a great day. And remember, when your roots run rain is... Yeah, go ahead, Eddie. Thank y'all, and hey, y'all get back with me, and I'll talk about these turkeys in this contest in the, in the next podcast. Thank y'all so much for having me. Folks, when your roots run deep and strong, you never have to fear the wind. We'll see you next week. So you never got to worry what the wind might do, American Roots. Thank you for joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station. This is Wayne Locke with American Roots Outdoors. I am have uh, Redbone in the studio here with me, Alex Rutledge on the phone, and you're listening to the bonus segment with Eddie Salter. Eddie, take it away. Let's talk some deer hunting. It's that time of year. Yeah, man, I tell you, yes, sir. I, I, I appreciate y'all having me on today, and I appreciate the opportunity to get to talk to Alex and uh, and, and, and you too, Wayne, and Redbone right there, and, and especially something I love to talk about. And matter of fact, I'm probably going to be in a tree stand in about 15 minutes from now. I'm gonna, y'all wish me good luck today, and we're going to see if I can't stick one with that old bow, but uh you know, the thing that, that, that I'm, I'm going to actually hunt a food plot this afternoon. I went and checked it earlier today. And uh, the thing, too, I think to be more successful, I got I got several food plots on, on my little area that I hunt right there. And I, and I went and checked the wind, and we got a lot of northeast wind. And so I had to pick a stand. Uh, I don't care what hunters tell you. If you don't pay attention to the wind, guys, and be as scent-free as you possibly can, uh, I know we got a lot of things out there that they're talking about to tell you don't worry about the wind, just go hunt. But I still, I still feel like that you're gonna uh, you're gonna run a lot of bucks off if you don't pay attention to the wind. And you know, sometimes I think too, if we ever run that buck off, uh, you know, we might not ever see him anymore. Well, that's yep. very true. I know uh, Redbone passed uh, some. Uh, uh, 
what, what, uh, wisdom on to me not too long ago. He said it was passed on to him, but that is if your eyes aren't tearing, you're facing the wrong direction. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was my uncle taught me how to hunt. And the first thing he ever told me, first thing he ever taught me when we got in the woods, he said, if your eyes aren't watering, you're looking in the wrong direction. And, and I and I take that to heart when I go to the woods now, even today. Well, Eddie, you know, you and I was very fortunate to work for hunter specialists for many years together, and that's where you and I really became close. And, uh, you know, hunter specialists has a, had, I don't know if they have now today, but a great salmonation problem. Uh, process, which Mr. David Forbes and Carmen Forbes put that all together, and they was a huge player in the elimination category in the outdoor industry. And Eddie and I, we was the faces of that brand, and we used it for years. And Eddie, I'm using a new product, and I just want to throw a plug out there for it. And Eddie, and I'm going to get some sent to you because I want you to try it. It is mind-blowing. It is called Scent Guardian. It's out of Texas. And I've always been a huge Sinaway fan. I still love it today. But I'm thinking, Eddie, this is no joke. It's probably the best elimination product I've ever seen out there. I had a five-and-a-half, six-and-a-half-year-old uh, buck that I rattled in before I left to go to Texas. And he come in, circled me in the woods. It was a timber hunt. And he come in to 50 yards of me, and he never did win me, Eddie. And all I did was use the scent guard and wash my clothes, my hair, and my body. You spray down all my equipment with it. And when you can pull a five-and-a-half, six-and-a-half-year-old deer, you're doing something. Absolutely, absolutely. That's, uh, that sounds exciting right there. And, uh, you know, uh, th- there again, you said you rattled in a deer. And, and still, I feel like uh, after a rut's already, and I know in y'all's part of the country, after the rut's already happened, I think sometimes that might be the best time to rattle a big buck in because, he thinks them, them younger bucks are fighting over a doe, and he's going to slip in there and check it out. And still, the decoys still work good. So, you know, me and you got a good dose of rattling and using decoys, you know, really before everybody else did just about. You ha- actually helped me a lot with that and, uh, you know, and really telling me how good these decoys were working. And, and, they, and man, one year in, in uh, Kansas, I, I, I got down out of my tree stand at least, Ten times to put my decoys back up where Buck had knocked them down, and it was unreal. And uh, you know, you and, and they don't work in the woods for me. I never have had real good luck in the woods. Seems like I have scared Buck. So if you hunting around a, a OCRP field, growed up, or either just a regular, you know, regular cornfield, soybean field, if you especially if you bow hunting, man, it'd give you an opportunity. I kill one of the biggest deer that I ever killed. And I wouldn't have killed him if I hadn't had that decoy because I actually dropped the arrow and it hit every step down my tree, binging and banging. But that buck was right there, John Wetstein, that buck was looking at that de- decoy so hard, it gave me an opportunity to grab another arrow and stick in there. Hmm. Yeah, the decoy is a lot like turkey hunting. And I think that, that what I've learned about decoying, again, our other guests we had on the show, I learned a lot of it from uh, Greg Miller. Uh, he's actually the one introduced decoying to me, and I went to playing with the decoy, and we took it uh, to greater distances, too. That one show, I had four different bucks come in and knock a decoy over. You remember that on primetime bucks? And the secret there is putting that decoy where it can be seen for a great distance. That way, you're broadcasting that decoy uh, for deer to see at, at a more higher success percentage-wise 
chances of a certain buck to come in there. But I'm going to agree with you, Eddie. Late season after the main rut, no matter where you're at, these bucks that are still healthy, they're, they're still wanting to breed. And some of these younger bucks that are still healthy may be fighting over a younger doe that's come in 30 days later after the main rut. And that's what we're having right now in the Midwest. We're back into a full moon, and these 55-pound and larger yearling does, earlier-born does, are starting to come into estrus right now. So there is still a trickle of rut here in the Midwest. Now, you being in the South, the front part of the pre-ruts just now starting there in the South. It is. I mean, Alabama is an unusual state. We actually up in the northern part of Brown, Birmingham, I, you know, here within the next couple of weeks, they'll be gone wide open, and then down where I live at, it's towards the end of January before it comes in. But I wanted to tell everybody, hey, y'all pay attention to Alex Rutledge, because look, me and him was lucky enough to get a a farm in Iowa, and Alex went hung a stand for me in the bottom over there that that I told him that I really wanted to hunt, I thought, because everything kind of come together is one of these bottoms where everything kind of come together. And I killed my biggest deer, scored 181, rattled him up, and grunted him up right out of the stand at Alex home for Eddie Salter, my biggest deer. So y'all pay attention to old Alex Rutledge. He ain't well, just a turkey hunter. Well, Eddie Salter's done a lot for me, too, everybody. He's put me on turkeys and, and deer as well, and that's what true friends do. And I think that's, you know, back in our era, Eddie, when we've done the tours of a lot of seminar and working together, and uh, you and I became very close. We're still very close. We wanted to help each other. And it uh, seems like some of that has been lost in this industry. The industry has changed and went a different direction, and it's become more about how, how great your editing is and uh, how many followers you have because you've spent money. A lot of people, I, I don't want to sound negative, but I'm, I'm being real. In the industry today, there's a lot of people that's bought their way into the industry. They haven't paid their dues. Uh, share your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, it's just that, you know, me and you, we, we come well country boys, and we really enjoy seeing our friends, you know, reap benefits from being successful out there. But it's it's so many of the guys out there that are jealous, and, uh, you know, they don't really want they don't want to see nobody do good but themselves. You know, they just feel like that. You know, they in competition with you, but in a, and to me, that's no way to feel. And, uh, you know, right. and, and, uh, you know, it's kind of sad, though, because some of them, are, you know, so, and, I, and I'm not knocking some of these baseball players. We're being real. These football. And, We're being uh, real. We are. And, you know, me and you kind of got it from going out there and learning how to, you know, kill that old squirrel out of the tree because we enjoyed eating that squirrel at night. And, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, we, we, it is like you said, we, it's come from our roots. And, uh, you know, and we still, and that's the thing, too. One thing about Alex Rutledge, and, 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 and I want to say this, not bragging, but my ears is always open. When somebody's successful in doing something, I'm going to listen to them. And, you know, it's always terrible. And I heard this years ago, a different ways to skin that old cat than one ain't. Right, right. <laughs> well said. What do you think of that? Oh, that's so true, because I know, like, there's things I picked up, you know, being up north uh, uh, from Cleveland, Ohio, that I was taught by just local legends there that helped me get become successful. And then I had to came down, and, and Alex opened up a whole other world of how he hunts, because there was no such thing as running and gunning 
where I'm from in Ohio, I the first time Alex said we're going to run and gun, I thought, well, I was always taught you don't run with a gun. So, I mean, <laughs> 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 you know, a whole different lingo I had to learn down here. And then, of course, you know, uh, Eddie, I had a chance to meet you when I was filming Alex a couple years ago. And uh, just for the literally the 15 minutes that we went out to listen for a turkey, uh, the, the couple stories you told just walking to that spot, it was, um, you know, how much you can learn. And it's great that we're able to take this information now, put it into a form that we can get it to other listeners all throughout the country and the world right now. You know, one thing I'd, li- I'd like to uh, talk before we before we wrap up this bonus uh, segment here on the podcast, and, and Eddie, you and Alex both touched on something, and that is the jealousy that seems to exist in the outdoor industry. And without going into a long way, a whole lot of a way, or whole, uh, real deep into it, I think that rubs off in the general public now, Alex. I know you've seen some of it, just, you know, for people that, that we know. And uh, I think that's one of the things that, uh, you know, is kind of ruining the outdoor industry as a whole. And that is people see people on TV doing this, and now people in the general public are doing the same thing. And, uh, you know, trying to protect those deer and keep those deer on my farm. I don't want them on somebody else's farm and not being happy for people when they do harvest uh, whatever kind of deer they harvest. I mean, there really is a jealousy in the entire hunting business from the private sector to the commercial hunters. Very well said, Redbone. And uh, what we've got to do as a whole here, and you heard Eddie say it, that's why they call him the Southern Gentleman. And the turkey man, he, he cares about people, and he's always lectured and traveled the country, wanting for young kids and women and, and families to do things together, and that's what American Roots is about. It, it's time that the industry uh, take a 30,000-foot perspective and not look at just how many followers you have because you bought them or you have more money to create a fancier show. I think it's important for all industries to look at the, the years that these individuals have in there, the dues that they've paid, and what they've done to catapult this outdoor industry to create what's been created. Uh, and, and I'm not saying this for self-attention, but, Eddie, all the guests I've had on this show, you're going to notice they all paid their dues, and they've been in the industry for over 30 years. So to all these young listeners that's listening up that may have a show, hey, man, uh, don't lose focus. Keep trying, but... but Use integrity. Uh, use your love, the spirit of Christ in your heart to help others. That's what the industry should be about. It shouldn't be about, I've got $100 million here and I'm going to buy all these followers. It's about the message you're sending to help the industry grow because according to numbers, the industry's declining because uh, people's not sharing and helping one another. It's become a greedy industry. And we hate to see that because we want to pass on the legacy and the heritage that my dad gave me and Eddie's grandpa gave him. And we've got to do a better job at this. And uh, if we hit a nerve with somebody, that's fine. That's the whole point of what Eddie and I and this crew is talking about here on American Roots. Would you like to elaborate more, Eddie? Well, all I can say, if you don't have a child, a girl, a little boy, uh, go borrow one from somebody and get them out there in the woods. And uh, you get an opportunity to take a, you know, I, I've, I've taken, a, I took an 82, 81-year-old man turkey hunting for the first time and watched him cry when he killed a turkey. And I asked him, why did he cry? And he was crying because he hadn't started turkey hunting 40 years ago. So yeah. you get an opportunity, you know, if somebody, you know, wants to hunt, please carry them out there and introduce them to them. 
because this board is falling. And one thing that Alex said that 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 as long as you keep Christ first in your life, you're yes. gonna be you're gonna you're gonna have a wonderful life, and you remember that. Amen to that. Well said, Redbone. Yeah, it's your time for us to wrap it up, and uh, we're gonna let Wayne do that today. I want to thank uh, Eddie for joining us today and uh, giving us all this great knowledge and, and the history of where you came from. And that, again, this this is the stuff that I think nobody hears about is where we came from, you know, where you guys come from, what got you to where you are, what inspired you. And uh, Eddie, thanks so much for your time. And I uh, want to thank all our podcast listeners for tuning in to the uh, special segment. And uh, Alex, go ahead. And uh, you got any closing words? Yeah, well, the closing words, I just want to thank Eddie Salks for being a great role model and uh, congratulate Eddie on being inducted into the Legends of the Outdoors National Hall of Fame. You earned that, and Eddie, uh, you're a true Southern gentleman, and you've done a lot for this industry, and we thank you so much for sharing your American roots. I know that you've got some grandbabies that you're so proud of. He was telling me earlier today that he... His new grandson is growing like a weed. And by the way, everybody, Eddie's an a Alabama fan, football fan. We, we're always talking football, this and that, and uh, just a great man. And, Eddie, I know you and I have talked this many times, but if I pass before you, I want you to carry me. And if you pass before me, it would be an honor to carry you. I love you, and you're a true brother in Christ. And uh, good luck in your career. And tell everybody how they can follow Eddie Salter in all the avenues and social media. Well, you can just go to eddievturkeyman.com and pull, pull me up, and uh, and you ought to find out all you need to know about old Eddie Salter. And I sure appreciate y'all. And, Alex, I'm going to be so disappointed if y'all don't call me back up here in a, another month or so, and let's talk a little bit of turkey. Because, hey, I don't feel like we've talked enough. So, And God bless y'all. And I, I'm going to go get in a tree and see if I can shoot me an old deer this afternoon. And I love y'all, buddy. Yes, sir, man. Everybody follow Eddie Salter, the turkey man. And remember, when your roots are deep and strong, there's no reason to fear the wind. Tell your friends about our podcast. Tell your friends about our radio show. We love you all. And remember, the Second Amendment right is our right. Have a good and safe weekend.